0: Today's scripture is Luke 4, 1 to 22. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom of the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't
1: this Joseph's son, they said? Thank you, Kate. Uh, I guess this wouldn't be the norm for us, but uh, I'd like to be able to pray um, before we spend time uh, unpacking this text together. Um, So if you would pray with me. Father, we are coming to you as we are, not as we should be. Uh, And we live in a world that, uh, where things aren't as they should be. Um, It feels like um, this week, I mean, I guess maybe as much as any recent week, just there keep being these reminders of a world that is in angst and is groaning, um, that there is pain, um, and so God, we, perhaps we know it in theory or we see it from afar. Um, God, we see all the, the finger pointing and the blaming of, uh, who, um, where the fault lies for the problems in society right now. Um, God, we see again with heartbreak, um, that racism, uh, has not gone away. God, and we just don't have to look any further than, uh, the reality of, of our own lives, um, where perhaps we've grown frustrated or tired or discouraged or weary, or just have come to the end of ourselves, just ready for things to just go back to normal because it just maybe feels better than this. Um, God, would you help us this morning, would you help us in these days to tap into a deeper desire, a deeper longing for the things that could be, to have eyes to see the world as you intend it to be. Spirit of God, would you um, be our help in this moment to understand this text, um, to see the world as Jesus saw it. God, would you um, walk with us in this moment, and would you walk for, with us um, from this time? Um, God, I confess my need before f- you. Um, Lord, may we um, together confess our need for you this hour. As we we are trusting ourselves to you. Amen. Okay, thanks. So, we hinted last week in our teaching together as we looked at the practice of Scripture uh, that this today would kind of come as a sort of a two part teaching. Uh, And that this week we wanted to look specifically at this theme, this idea, the experience of the desert, of wilderness. Uh, the sort of desert wilderness experience of our faith as it seems particularly relevant to right now in light of the COVID circumstance that we're all enduring. I'm not sure that all of us would characterize, well I, I could probably take a pretty good guess, that all of us would not characterize our COVID experience as the same. But I wonder... For many of us, if we can relate to these things around what a desert wilderness experience is and what we're sort of enduring and um, having to figure out in this time, Um, this will kind of help us sum up this theme around recover your life. This is what we've been talking about. Um, for the last while of what it is to have a thriving, flourishing life by putting into practice the ways of Jesus in the right here, right now, every day of our life. But to talk about wilderness in relation to what it looks like to be thriving and flourishing, maybe seems a, a bit ironic or maybe even more so it's, it's confusing and, and maybe even misleading. Um, it was said wisely, uh, kind of smartly, to me this week uh, that nobody goes to the desert for vacation. I, I've yet to see the travel brochure or the online ad that is enticing me to go and spend my time off in a place that has nothing. I like no lush vegetation, no mountains, no forest, no ocean, no lake, no exciting metropolis. I just, just. A place of nothingness that that clearly does not seem desirable or even have the prospect of being enjoyable. Uh, but in in a lot of ways, that's that's what we mean when we say the desert or the wilderness and what Scripture is referring to. Um, though often in Scripture, it is a physical place. Uh, it represents more than just a geography. It's a sort of this wild, rugged, barren place with nothing exciting or desirable that should make us want to go there. So why, why is the desert, the wilderness, such an important theme in Scripture? Why do we see it here in, in, this, in the life of Jesus, in what was read to us of Luke 4, and we see it very obviously as we looked last week in the experience of the Israelites and pretty much every significant person in Scripture has something equivalent to a desert-type experience that is definitive for their faith. So we're, we're going to take a look at, at, at trying to understand that and make sense of us for the right here, right now of our life. We're going to look at what it means for us, this thing of desert, of wilderness. I'm going to hopefully try to answer or at least um give hint at three questions of what leads us to the desert, what happens in the desert, and what comes out of the desert. So we think about what is it that leads us to a desert wilderness experience. Verse 1, as it was read, says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This comes immediately after the incredible moment where Jesus is baptized and all of heaven opens up and declares that this is the son of God. And it's Jesus is told with this incredible intimacy and with authority that you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That is that is what has just taken place in the very next moment. Jesus, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, is sent into the wilderness. The text tells us that it, it's, it's the very next thing. There's no pause, there's no delay, that Jesus is sent there. And, and I think actually that gives us a helpful hint right out of the gate, that surely the desert is not a place of punishment from God, because we see that Jesus is, did, did no wrong to warrant being punished. And so there there has to be something more to what is going on in the desert than, say, just uh, punishment or consequence for, for bad things. Though the desert um, is heavy and difficult and the experience often has a negative feel, that does not assume in and of itself that the desert is a... Bad place? What if the desert exists for our benefit? That though it is a hard place, it is there to produce good things in us. If Jesus was led there by design, by the Spirit, that there was purpose and meaning and intention, that he would go through the desert himself, do you think that God would do the same in our life? The desert experience is an invitation to transformation. In it, we encounter ourselves and we encounter God. It's both. The reality is in our lives that we actually probably don't like to admit because this doesn't really fit our, our Western mindset of the pursuit of happiness. But for most of us, the reality is we learn through pain. Sometimes, I think the very small amount of time, we are inspired to realize and make happen our preferred future. But I, I've heard it said wisely that 80% of the time, we change because of pain. That it's, it doesn't really actually come down to our good intentions. It's, it's a difficulty that pushes us into a new place. It's often through feeling the angst of things not as they should be or as we want them to be and it that actually gives us the necessary motivation to see change happen in our lives the desert comes as this invitation to growth but not just for change but for transformation that maybe couldn't happen any other way so what is it that what happens in the desert in the desert i think things are revealed. The desert is the test of our identity. It is what gets revealed when all else is stripped away. Our identity is kind of what gets exposed in the desert. And temptations come and reveal what really lies below the surface in our life. We usually think that temptations are there to kind of derail us when we're strong or we're doing well and trying to bring us down. But I think temptations seem to emerge with the most teeth when we are at our weakest, trying to keep us from getting up. And the devil comes at the weakest moment for Jesus. It's after 40 days where he's been in the desert, he's eaten nothing. And it says that he was hungry. Perhaps more appropriately, Jesus would have been hangry. I mean, that, to say that Jesus was hungry uh, is an incredible understatement. But it's at that moment, at the end of these 40 days, where the devil comes, knowing that Jesus might be susceptible and weak and vulnerable in that point, at the point of his weakness. It's interesting that when when we look at the temptations together, uh, all the temptations, all three of them, directly correlate to the ways that the Israelites were tempted in the wilderness. And we see because all three times in the scripture that Jesus is referencing when he says it is written, all of them refer are quoting passages in Deuteronomy in his defense, referring back to this moment when Israel was tested just like this, except the difference is Israel failed their tests. And now here Jesus is living out these tests and and fulfilling them. These temptations of Jesus around hunger and power and protection, maybe you could also define these things, you could see them as being tests of our appetite, ambition, or of acceptance. Or maybe you can even say that it is a test of what satisfies us, where we find significance, or what brings us safety. The, the, the temptations that the Israelites faced in the desert and that Jesus is confronted with in this moment in the wilderness is that they are areas that are relevant to all of us. It is about what it is to be human where these desires are being put to the test. And I, I think the desert is like it, it serves as like a light for our life. It, re- it reveals, it helps us to see what we couldn't see before in the, in the dark. I've had this, this has happened, uh, on a few occasions where I have been in some of your homes of our St. Clair community. And the first time or maybe even the first few times that I've been in your home has happened to be in the evening when things are dark. And so my first experience of walking the door and sitting in the living room or wherever we find ourselves, uh, I'm, I'm being able to see and experience your home. But then at a later point coming in the daytime, the very same home nothing has changed things are in the same places it's almost like I didn't even I'm in a totally new place because the daylight is showing me this this room this place in a way that I did not see before even though the room or the house hasn't changed it's like coming in the daytime has just allowed me to experience your house in a whole new light so to speak and I think I think God graciously leads us by his spirit into the desert to bring about these experiences so that we can see more clearly the current state, the current reality of our life before him. And that he does not do it to condemn us, but he does it to rescue us. I think the dark and difficult moments of the desert where things are stripped away and we just do not have the comforts as we are used to. It sheds light on the ways that we self-medicate only to realize that those things just don't work. The desert reveals what is already there. It is there to deliver us from our habits and comforts that we think can deliver us in it we encounter ourselves and we encounter god the desert is the place where we don't get what we want but perhaps we get what we need and to be honest i when i think about covid and what uh, this whole experience has been i've had some discouraging days in this stretch I pre pre COVID life, whatever that was, however long ago that was. I probably on an average day I I could have told you with a certain amount of confidence and humility, like, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty good. I I, you know, I think I'm I'm seeing growth or improvement in these areas of my life and yeah, I'm like encouraged about this or hopeful about that. I think I'm doing pretty good. And then COVID comes along and all the sort of norms that I've sort of built up that would ensure that my life goes pretty good the way I think it ought to, those things get dismantled. And then again, I am confronted with the things of myself that I don't like or that and I can't the problem is, is that I kind of know those things are always there, but there's enough in the busyness or in the push or pull of life that I can kind of put those things on the shelf, or I can think that those things aren't actually as bad as I think they are. But then COVID sort of doesn't allow for different circumstance to come along or sort of to be busy with this or that to help ease my ability to avoid or distract myself. And so I'm, I'm left more often that I have to sit and stare at the stuff in my life that isn't as it should be. And then I, I have to ask very honest questions. Can I keep going like this? Can I even change this? Is this stuff, is it so deeply ingrained in me that I actually need God to do in me what I cannot do for myself. The pressure, I think, of the desert reveals cracks in our character, and God comes to heal and repair that. Like the Israelites, the desert, our desert, my desert, is the removal of these foreign gods the wilderness brings those things to bear so that we can see clearly that that stuff isn't going to sustain us. So what, what comes out of the desert? Verse 14, it said for us in, in Luke 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Jesus returns from the desert, from the wilderness, the place where he experienced weakness and hardship, and now emerges in the power of the Spirit. Something, something happened in the desert. And now it is what is sending Jesus. It is what has made him ready to fulfill this ministry. Not only is Jesus sent in power, but we get this wonderful little hint in Luke's gospel that he's also marked By the grace of God in a way that he wasn't before. Verse 20 to 22, it says, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. I wish if we had more time, we could uh, unpack how significant it was that Jesus was reading this passage in Isaiah and what that meant, and the proclamation of the kingdom of God coming here and now through Jesus. It's amazing. But everyone listening knew how powerful, how significant this was, the reading of Scripture. It says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And it said, all spoke well of him. And this is is the part that caught me post-desert and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. It wasn't as though Jesus was simply one who spoke with a, a certain kind of authority or cleverness or insight that no one had heard before. They're actually captivated by the grace that came from his lips. They took note and they were amazed. And I think That is in part credit to this desert experience of Jesus fully dependent on the Father. And that I think when we encounter God in the desert, we experience in our lives the tenderness of God. That the grace of God comes near to us. And that out of the desert, we too might be able to speak the grace of God from our lips. In a lot of ways, I think most of us are probably already familiar to some degree with our own pain and inabilities. It may just be that we're scared to know that they are more serious than we thought they first were. And so we build up a life of denial and avoidance to keep the void kind of at a distance. And we have this scaffolding to support us. These programs of happiness we've created to fulfill us. But in the desert, it gets peeled back so that we may know that God is the source of life for our life. The Israelites in the desert, in their impatience, they filled the void and built a golden calf. But I think the promise of God for us in waiting and looking to encounter him in these hard places, in these desert and wilderness-like experiences where we don't have the norms and the comforts and all the things that we would usually rely on, the thing that waits for us there that we have not found yet, that we have not discovered, the only thing that is waiting for us there is the love of God. I think it is the tenderness of God that is waiting to meet us in these hard places. And if we had more time, I could highlight more of it for us. But you see it all throughout Scripture, that God has this pattern, this way of inviting his people to be brought to a place where they know that they know that they know that they know that being one with the Father is all that they need. Hosea to it says God says this of his people. Says, Therefore, I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And his song of Psalms it says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? I think the wilderness exposes a rawness and invites a vulnerability if we let it, and it will reveal the tenderness of God in wounded places in our life. Perhaps in theory, we know that God loves us, but it's in the desert that we have to learn to let God love us. And in a beautiful way, if we let it, it forces us to yield to God to let go of the things that we desperately grasp onto, that can't actually do for us what we hope they would. And God invites us into a beautiful place of being with him and knowing that he is with us and for us. I'm going to uh, finish just with this um, before we take communion together. Pope Francis um a a week or maybe 2 weeks into covid during lent before easter this feels like a while ago now he he gave um he gave an address that just uh hasn't left me and it captures really well the sense of invitation of what my god might do in this time that just could not have happened otherwise and i think it's an invitation for us that in the hardship and where things uh, maybe a particularly difficult for us to see and respond to the invitation of God in this time. So I, I will read part of it for us here. Pope Francis says this. He's just he's saying this to the global Catholic Church. He said, This lent, your call reverberates urgently. Be converted. Return to me with all your heart. You are calling on us to seize this time of trial as a time of choosing. It is not the time of your judgment, but of our judgment. A time to choose what matters and what passes away. A time to separate what is necessary from what is not. It is a time to get our lives back on track with regard to you, Lord And to others. The Lord asks us, and in the midst of our tempest, invites us to reawaken and put into practice that solidarity and hope capable of giving strength, support, and meaning to these hours when everything seems to be floundering. The Lord awakens so as to reawaken and revive our Easter faith. He goes on to say, in the midst of isolation, when we are suffering from a lack of tenderness and chances to meet up, and we experience the loss of so many things, let us once again listen to the proclamation that saves us. He is risen and is living by our side. The Lord asks us, asks us from his cross to rediscover the life that awaits us to look forward towards those who look to us and to strengthen, recognize, and foster the grace that lives within us.